to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God in all things. I hope your day is going to go really well. Some people are going to be very happy today. Some people are going to be very sad today. No matter what camp you find yourself in, keep your eyes affixed to Christ. Keep your hope in Him alone. And give God praise in all things, in all opportunities. It's a day that we have. Let's spend it well. On the program today, Mr. Julio Laredo is going to rejoin the program. Uh, He is an early guest back in the early days. It feels so forever ago, but back uh, in 2020, one of our first guests on the Catholic Drive Time show was Mr. Julio Laredo from Tradition Family and Property in Italy. Uh, He's going to rejoin our show today. We want to ask him about what is the perception of America and what is happening in America in Europe. How, how do they look at all of this? What are they thinking? How will this affect the next four years? And what are his thoughts? So Mr. Julio uh, Laredo from TFP will be on our program today. Uh, of course, we're going to have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have breaking news and stories. And of course, a lot more conversation. Bree Dale will rejoin our program in the What's Concerning Us segment as we go through several stories. But we'll get her take on on the inauguration day and uh, the leaving of Donald Trump and his family, the pardons even. Uh, Julian Assange did not make, Edward Snowden didn't even make the list of pardons. Uh, Little Wayne did, apparently. So uh, praise God for that. I guess uh, <laughs> very interesting choices for sure, but maybe Bria will chime in on all of that on today's program. Uh, of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. And that counts. Yes, it does. It's the end of an era today and the beginning of a quite a different one. You know, uh, for sure. You know, you think we would be rejoicing because uh, Catholic, second ever Catholic president. Um, I would love to be able to say I'm rejoicing, but the fact that he embraces uh, intrinsic evils makes that even more difficult for us, right? Yeah, it is tricky, but yeah. you know. It's God's will, and he'll be with us. <laughs> All right. Praise be to Jesus. God wills it. Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos this morning. Good morning to you, Adrian. Morning, Joe. You How you, you doing all right? I heard you had a little trouble this morning. Yeah. I pray, everybody pray to St. Anthony for me. I, I kind of <laughs> lost my wallet, and I couldn't get in the building because I needed my wallet to get in. And so I was just sitting in my car waiting for Joe to show up. And he always takes a sweet time. Sweet. So, yeah. I, sl- I slowed down the minute I got that call. I'm like, oh, oh, you need me. Oh, okay. I'll be there someday. Praise God. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's going to be this hour. In the next hour, of course, we have our game show, if you're at all able to join us. Plus, we'll have uh, you know more of all of the accoutrements of Catholic Drive Time, plus the after show, if you're able to join us in that hour. But look forward to our conversation with uh, both Breedale and Julio Laredo in this hour. Let's pray. Whatever your intentions are today, of course, we're praying for peace in our country. We're praying for uh, unity among all of our citizens. Uh, that it's very important right now that we we cool we cool the passions a little bit. So let's ask God for peace in our world and in our country in particular. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for our team, our equipment here, the radio apostolates of Stations of the Cross and Guadalupe Radio Network, and for your intentions, dear listener. Whatever is on your heart, I'm including that as well, and asking Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her Son that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy uh, protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. President Donald Trump granted 143 pardons and commutations yesterday. The list of those pardoned included Steve Bannon, Lil Wayne, and many nonviolent drug offenders who had been sentenced to prison. Earlier this year, Steve Bannon had pleaded not guilty to fraud charges relating to fundraising for a private border wall project. The president did not pardon Julian Assange or Edward Snowden, two whistleblowers who illegally shared America's intelligence and national security secrets. The decision to pardon is not reviewable by other branches of government, and the president does not have to provide a reason for issuing a pardon. The state of Vermont can no longer exclude Catholic school students from a college tuition program. A federal court of appeals has sided with a Catholic high school student who challenged a state of Vermont policy that excludes students at private religious secondary schools from a no-cost college credit program. The Vermont Education Agency's dual enrollment program allows high school students to take college courses with tuition paid by the state. Students from public schools are eligible, as are students from secular private schools and homeschooled students. The court ordered the Vermont Secretary of Education to allow the student to participate in the program. It granted a preliminary injunction pending the final resolution of the case. A Connecticut-assisted suicide bill would not safeguard patients against coercion. Disability advocates are criticizing a Connecticut-assisted suicide bill for promoting the idea that the terminally ill are a burden on their caregivers. Disability groups are frequently vocal opponents of assisted suicide legislation, which they argue targets vulnerable populations, including the disabled, the ill, the elderly, and the poor. Assisted suicide is now legal in nine U.S. states, and bills have been proposed in Vermont starting in 2013, though none have been passed into law yet. Opponents of the bill say they fear that people with disabilities would be disproportionately encouraged to seek suicide instead of being provided with appropriate psychological and emotional support. President Donald Trump has issued an 18-month amnesty for thousands of Venezuelans in the U.S. In an executive order on his final night in the White House, Trump issued deferred enforced departure for at least 94,000 Venezuelan nationals, allowing them to remain in the U.S. free from deportation for an 18-month period that is almost certain to be renewed by the incoming Biden administration. The order gives work permits to those thousands of Venezuelan nationals at a time when the nation faces a mass unemployment crisis due to the pandemic. Trump signed the order after lobbying efforts last year by Senator Marco Rubio, who thanked the president for this executive action. I'm Emily Alcraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Sebastian, pray for us. Born in the 3rd century in Narbonne, Gaul, or modern-day France, he was the son of a pretty wealthy family. He was educated in Milan. He became an officer in the Imperial Roman Army, a captain of the guard itself. He was a favorite of Diocletian, the emperor of Rome. But he was also a secret Christian. Using his opportunity, his, his access as a guard of the, of the emperor himself, to make his way in and out of prisons, comforting those Christians that were being 
uh, arrested and persecuted by Diocletian himself. In fact, he, he brought them material goods like food and clothing, and he helped to intercede on their behalf, tried to have them released in many cases. There was one such case where uh, a brother, a soldier of his, his wife, uh, I think, was ill, and he helped to restore her to health by praying for her and making the sign of the cross over her, and she was restored to health, in fact. But this uh, brought unwanted attention to him. In fact, he was arrested, charged as a Christian. Sebastian was tied to a tree, and he would be shot to death with arrows and left for dead. Well, uh, by a sheer miracle, by the grace of God himself, he was recovered. Not dead, in fact. I mean, he might have been very close to it, but he did not die. And he, by a miracle, was able to be healed from his wounds. In fact, to the point where he got up and he went to preach to Diocletian himself to try to convert him. It, of course, did not work, as we know, and Diocletian had him beaten to death. According to the Gregorian Sacramentary, there's a prayer. It goes like this. O God, who did bestow on blessed Sebastian, your martyr, such wonderful strength of valor in his sufferings for you, grant us, after his example, to condemn for love of you all earthly prosperity and to dread not no sort of adversity. Amen. St. Sebastian died in about 288 in the 3rd century. He is the patron of diseases like the plague, for instance. So, in this pandemic age that we live in, let us ask Sebastian to pray on our behalf, especially for light to vanquish the darkness in these very dark times. St. Sebastian, pray for us. The gospel comes to you from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again, we see this uh, this duel between Jesus and the uh, the Pharisees here on the on the Sabbath day, right? Um, it's, it seems like a never ending battle in the Gospel of Mark for sure. Uh, but I like this this sentence here. It, you know, he, again, he's asking. He's sort of putting. Yesterday it was, "Have you not read a, a, a dig at the Pharisees?" Because of course they're supposed to be the most well read, right? Well, here he is saying, "Is it not lawful?" I mean, again, it's a dig because I mean, who knows the law better than the Pharisees, right? So he's digging at them a little bit here. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? You know why that line is kind of significant and kind of interesting? Because it's sort of a vague reference to Mac. 
Maccabees chapter 2, uh, verse 41. First, uh, Maccabees chapter 2, verse 40, 41. When the Maccabees had to suspend the Sabbath regulations in order to conduct defensive warfare, to take life. So he is referencing this moment just similarly like he did yesterday's gospel when he referenced King David when he had to suspend the Sabbath regulations in order to, to, uh, to save and preserve life, right? So Jesus here is referencing the Maccabees. By the way, the book of Maccabees are one of the disputed books by Protestants. They've tossed these books out, but yet here is Jesus referencing it. Just thought I'd Toss that extra two cents in there. So I find it very fascinating here that Jesus is, is using this as an opportunity to, uh, to instruct the Pharisees about the nature of the Sabbath. And again, yesterday, remember what he said? Man is not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath for the man. And here he is, Jesus, wanting to heal this man. And the, the hardness of the heart is for the letter of the law versus the uh, having compassion and being moved to heal this person who has come to Jesus and has had faith in Jesus that he could, in fact, heal him. So it's a powerful exchange between these two, Jesus and the Pharisees. And again, we don't see too many uh, uh, chances in the gospel where Jesus dialogues with them, necessarily. It's not really a dialogue that goes on with Jesus and Pharisees. Um, it's really more of a correction than anything. Uh, so, and the last point I want to make before I turn it over is I love the fact that how, how does this end? It ends with the Pharisees and the Herodians teaming up against Jesus. The Pharisees and the Herodians had nothing politically in common. They were opposites politically, but boy, were they ever united against Jesus. Does that remind you of anything in the headlines lately? I'm just curious. Emily, Adrian? Yeah, so for me, I found it interesting because usually the, the passage says Jesus was angry and he looked at the Pharisees with anger. And usually when you think of Jesus angry, you think of, you know, the scene in the temple where he's flipping tables. Um, but this is another instance of Jesus being angry at the willful blindness of the Pharisees because they were willfully blind to this law Um and they were interpreting it in a way that was so rigid that it would not allow for even the, the health and well-being of eating on the Sabbath or healing on the Sabbath. They believed, the Pharisees falsely believed, that you couldn't even do good. You couldn't do something good or bad on the Sabbath. Good work. Um, and so they were being willfully blind. I think there are areas for all of us where we're willfully blind to some good that the law is telling us to do. All right. I guess that's going to do it for the gospel for today. Stick around after this break. We're going to have a conversation with Bree Dale in the What's Concerning Us section of our show. There's several uh, stories I'd like to bring up and get comments on. U.S. soldier arrested in plot to blow up 9-11 memorial. Did you even know? We'll talk about that and much more on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. A while back, I had a nice little chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they tried to justify their claim to be Christian by saying the early Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. Is this true? Well, of course not. Let me share a few examples. Take John 1.1, where John describes Jesus as the Word and writes the Word was God. Now, in order to get around this, the JWs translate the phrase as the Word was a God. But this is based on a misunderstanding of Greek grammar. Consider also Colossians 2.9, where St. Paul writes, For in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In 1 Corinthians 8.6, Paul describes Jesus as the one through whom we exist. Isn't God the one ultimately responsible for the existence of things? 
So, contrary to what the JWs think, to be Christian, you must believe Jesus is God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Coming up in, I don't know, uh, maybe 15, 16, 17 minutes or so, Mr. Julio Laredo from the Tradition Family and Property uh, Italy branch uh, is going to be on the program. He's rejoining the show. He's been on before. He's one of our early guests. And uh, he's going to give us the take from Europe's side. So how is Europe looking at America and all of these events? Mr. Julio Laredo will give us a, his a take on that and the impact over the next four years or so. So look forward to that coming up again in about uh, 15 minutes from now. Uh, but we're in the what's concerning us section. There's several stories in the news that I wanted to jump in on. You know, I just I found this article this morning. U.S. soldier arrested in plot to blow up 9-11 memorial. This is according to VOANews.com. We'll post links to these stories. But uh Apparently, there was a U.S. Army soldier that's been arrested and charged with plotting to blow up the New York's 9-11 memorial and, uh, and plotting to kill U.S. soldiers in the Middle East. Uh, apparently, uh, this person was arrested Tuesday in the U.S. state of Georgia on charges of attempted material support to the Islamic State terrorist group and the attempted murder of another U.S. service member, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, said in a statement on Tuesday. So pray about that uh, and keep that in your prayers. I'm glad that that situation was thwarted, and uh, hopefully we'll find more information about that soon. Again, we'll, we'll post links to that. But I've asked Bree Dale to rejoin the program today because I brought up the story yesterday of the soldiers in, in uh, D.C. being... That's it. Well, there's a new uh, MilitaryTimes.com has an article out today that apparently 12 guard troops were sent home uh, after being vetted. They didn't say what they found f- at fault. They just didn't. They didn't say anything other than they vetted these people. Some 25,000 National Guard troops. 12 of them were shipped home, and uh, I find it a very precarious situation. And as a man who served in the Marine Corps, um, and you raise your right hand to and you swear an oath to defend the Constitution. Uh, that's vetted. This further vetted, vetting, I think, is an insult, but I'd love to get Bree's take on that. Bree, good morning to you. Thanks for joining the program. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's a big day. It's a big day. The inauguration has a come. Right. Has a, the day has a come. Uh, uh, Joe Biden is president of the United States, or will be here very shortly, and uh, and troops are being vetted again. Asked about their political opinions. What say you, Bree Dale? Well, it's a really difficult thing. The first thing that I questioned when I saw the AP article that came out saying this uh, yesterday was, um, you know, and I tweeted this out, um, more soldiers removed from duty for alleged, quote unquote, ties to militias or for posting what those vetting them believe to be extremist views online on their social media. 
Um, now, we both know because we've served that we're not permitted in uniform to take part in, um, you know, opposition, even though we know that there are individuals who are serving in Congress or who have served in government positions who ran on opposing um, pol political uh, opposition during, you know, the 1960s and whatnot, even a few of them say throwing their medals over certain fences. We know that there have been individuals like that. Sure. But uh, according to what we uh, we both understand is that we are not allowed to take part in political, um, uh, you know, rallies and whatnot in uniform. Uh, but that doesn't mean that American soldiers, and especially these soldiers who are citizen soldiers, those who are part of the National Guard, um, don't have the ability uh, and the right to have their own personal views on political uh, situations. Now, it gets really fuzzy when it comes to uh, social media because everything that you put nowadays is subject uh, by the military to review. So, um, but what really concerned me, Joe, is the fact that um, some of these listed organizations that they claim are considered, uh, you know, t quasi terrorist or concerning right wing organizations are like the NRA. Yes. <laughs> and yes. and the NRA actually offers uh, free membership to those of us who are active duty. <laughs> so it's wow. like the majority of those who own weapons are going to take that um, that opportunity because there comes some benefits like, you know, um, legal benefits and whatnot to be part of the, the NRA. So I, it's just it's a very concerning time uh, to to consider that. And, and another question, who are these vetting uh, these vetting organizations. Um, that's a question that must be asked. Who actually vetted? Yeah. Who made that call? Was it within the chain of command? Um, and then we also know, that, too, that there have been really quite concerning political statements that have come out of certain areas of the chain of command uh, and questions to the loyalty to uh, the oath of office, which is to support and defend the Constitution mm. of the United States, not a certain president one way or the other. I, and there have been questions on that, too. I know that's so, yes, part concerning. of what makes us unique. Uh, uh, you know, the United States of America is our military isn't... Uh, doesn't have loyalties necessarily or strictly speaking to a, a particular individual like it it it's swearing an oath to defend the constitution it of course it's uh it's the top the top dog so to speak of all of military is the person in the white house as president as commander in chief but they the military protects the office of the president so whomever's in the office gets the protection gets the loyalty but doesn't it's not the person itself and i find this very uh disturbing and really more insulting than disturbing in some ways it's like uh, they swear an oath to defend the constitution they've made the sacrifice uh to to uh serve to to make it through training to to want to be there and uh, now they're well, well. How did you vote? Uh, what was your vote like? Because now you're suspect. Yes, it's an all. Yeah, it's an it's an all volunteer force too, right? So, uh, you know, people are volunteering to serve their country.
countries. And people will ask, well, what's the motivation behind it? There's a whole bunch of a motivation. It can be uh, you want to leave uh, a lifestyle that you grew up in. Say uh, you you grew up in in the in the middle of nowhere in 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 the middle of the country, and you say, hey, I don't want to be a farmer. What else are my options? You mm. know, it could be that. It could be financial, or it could be patriotic sense of duty. But you you sign up and you you serve and oftentimes in some very difficult conditions and then to have your loyalty questioned um, and then at, at the same time loyalty questioned by the people who are expecting you to take a bullet for them right. um, and then on top of that here are individuals who I, what I find very disturbing is the optics I mean I I would have to ask the question uh, with as many troops in Washington, D.C. right now, what are the optics being sent to those people who are questioning the legitimacy of of um, the vote? Uh, again, we, we spoke about this before. Optics right now are really important. Um, you know, you, you when you have a dog that you might uh, have be, you know, put into a corner and that dog is afraid, the first thing it's going to do, it's afraid and it's angry. It's going to snap at you. And and you have to ask the same situation. You've you've had um, essentially potentially seventy five million voters who are being told, you know, be quiet. You're not allowed to speak um, on certain social media platforms, which to me is very concerning. The free exchange of ideas is exactly what we fight for um, for uh, the the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press. It's it's what we're what we're fighting for it is to protect the Constitution protect our liberties um, and then then to turn around and then uh, on top of all of that uh, put out this this idea I mean I write a report Joe that the the mayor in Washington DC requested from the Pentagon crew serve weapons Ooh. to be given wow. to our um, yeah what I are mean, they expecting I mean where is the army in order to <laughs> wait what is that the crew served weapons these are uh, m60s m you know the the, the m50 the mod deuce machine guns yeah, yeah huge we're talking about like machine guns that require multiple men to carry the equipment to manage the ammunition I mean this is like a, a serious implement of war what army are they expecting is going to come and invade Washington, D.C. today? Where yes, is this I mean, supposed Tucker Carlson army? Carlson had a very good um, op-ed uh, yesterday talking exactly this, like quoting from history, even during the Civil War, when there were thousands of men being killed on the battlefield, did we not have this many troops in Washington, D.C.? So the optics really are are confirming a lot of the, the uh, you know, the the conspiratorial uh, rhetoric that has been pushed out in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, and I, it's it's not to the good. It's not about healing or communication. It is about shutting down and suppressing um, one side and doing it by force. And then it adds on top of that this, this sense that not even those who are serving in the military are trustworthy unless they uh, ascribe to one particular ideology. To yeah. me, that is... Dangerous. That is very concerning. Very and, dangerous. And how many were being criticized by the the, the good uh, the gentle man from Tennessee uh, who said uh, because of the color of the National Guardsman's skin they are now suspect. Right, uh, and I put that out too on on Twitter. I I just found that uh, to be appalling, and many people do on both sides uh, at this point are saying, okay, wait a second, can we just 
slow down the rhetoric. Exactly. Um, <laughs> because inflammatory rhetoric happens on both sides. And we do call them, you know, are, are these are these uh, individuals who are Asian provocateurs at this point? What is he expecting the response to be? Do they want to have more violence in order to then push towards the legacy of the outgoing president? Like, what is the end point here? Uh, and I think that's something that uh, all critical think- thinkers have to ask. And I have to tell you, Joe, that here over overseas, people are watching this with uh, great alarm. Yeah. Uh, and and to, to say that, uh, hmm. say, uh, Angela Merkel, who uh, whose Germany has some of the highest forms of, of suppression of free speech online, they have a lot of rules for that, for her to come out and condemn the suppression of uh, the 45th president of the United States on social media, it says a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that that needs to, to, to be uh, understood that the, the optics right now do not bode well for a Biden presidency. Um, it, it really doesn't. It doesn't speak to even the legitimacy uh, when you have to um, push this, this show of force, so to speak, instead of this idea of unity. Wow. Yeah, we're we're just about two minutes out before the break. Uh, we're talking with uh, Bree Dale, journalist out of Rome, a uh, frequent contributor to this program about some of these issues. Uh, real quick, I want to transition because we only have like a minute and a half left. Did you see the uh, article out of the uh, Apple Daily that uh, the Holy See has a new candidate in mind for Hong Kong? Uh, it's a, a brand new bishop to take over the see there, but apparently this particular candidate uh, is favored because he has, uh, I guess, better, more sympathetic relations with the central authority in Beijing. And I wondered what you might have uh, thought if you'd seen the story. One minute. Right. Right. So um, I had conversation with uh, Cardinal Zen back this summer about this particular candidate. Um, and I actually uh, was was uh, discussing with one of my colleagues here whether or not uh, we knew the, the, the third uh, option, so to speak, of the individual who was being presented in front of uh, Pope Francis. To be quite honest, um, this is going to be uh, a big blow to, to Hong Kong um, if, if we see a uh, candidate uh, who favors the CCP, and I think we're just going to have to watch. All right, that's going to do it uh, for Bree Dale this hour on the uh, What's Concerning Us segment. Bree, thanks for being a part of our program. Thank you. All right, stick around. We're going to have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcaraz, plus our conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo. How does Europe look at this? We'll dive into that after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just out of touch? It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says... We do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us, as the church, to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, The world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Years ago when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success. 
fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at catholicscomehome.com. Catholic Drive Time Show. We just had Bree Dale on to talk about what's concerning us this morning, and we are going to have Mr. Julio Laredo on later. But first, these are today's headlines. Twenty-eight protesters were arrested and eleven officers were injured in New York on Martin Luther King Day. Hundreds of protesters gathered in groups across New York City on Monday, yet violence broke out when police tried to disperse some crowds. At least 28 protesters who said they were calling for racial and social justice were arrested after a group marched to City Hall, where they were met by a large police presence. One uniformed captain was hit in the head with a glass bottle. Just last week, New York's Attorney General sued the New York Police Department over the rough treatment of protesters, calling it a part of a long-standing pattern of abuse that stemmed from inadequate training, supervision, and discipline. The Presidential Inaugural Committee is facilitating donations to Planned Parenthood. Through the committee's America United program, happening amid the upcoming or today's presidential inauguration, supporters of the Biden and Harris administration are being encouraged to sponsor a field of flags on the National Mall. They can do so by donating to certain groups, including Planned Parenthood. Among the other 95 partner groups of the committee are a number of pro-LGBT groups, including the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund and the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Planned Parenthood fully supported the pro-abortion Biden-Harris ticket, even releasing a fact sheet entitled Nine Reasons to Love Kamala Harris. A cathedral in Ohio was vandalized with the message, Jesus is Black. Police in Toledo, Ohio, are investigating an arson attack on Our Lady, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary Cathedral, involving an attempted fire and a spray-painted message on the outer walls reading, Jesus is Black. A man whom police identified as a suspect in the vandalism attack fatally shot a Toledo police officer Monday afternoon during a standoff at his home. Several incidents of racially motivated graffiti left on church buildings have been reported throughout the United States since last summer, when protests erupted throughout the country in response to the 2020 killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. A Polish archbishop has asked an English cardinal to intervene after a UK court ruled to withdraw food and water from a Catholic patient. Local media reported on January 18th that doctors had stopped providing life support treatment to the middle-aged Catholic man, identified only as RS, who fell into a coma after suffering brain damage. He is originally from Poland, but lives in England. In a letter released yesterday, Archbishop Stanislaw Godecki, president of the Polish Bishops' Conference, urged Cardinal Vincent Nichols to undertake steps towards saving the life of our compatriot. An English bishop, Margot Toole, said, quote, The decision of the court to allow for the withdrawal of hydration and nutrition is very worrying. That is deemed to be in the best, interest, best interests of the patient is even more so. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thank you, Emily, for reading the headline news to us. Um, we're, we're trying to get uh, Mr. Julio Laredo on from the Tradition, Family, and Property branch over in Italy to give us a conversation 
about how Europe is looking at all of this stuff going on in America, how what that means over the next four years and what can we expect. Uh, so we're working on getting that connected. But in the meantime, I want to remind you that if you're looking for uh, the podcast versions of our site, try to go to our website. It's a great way to get the audio side, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. However, we're we're live streaming on several platforms, as you know already, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Emily's posting over on, on Instagram. Adrian's posting videos over on Rumble. And I'm posting on several places like Gab, for instance. Uh, you can find me on Gab. Just look for Catholic Hack. However, uh, you know, the, we're posting on multiple different platforms because of the censorship problems. A year ago... Uh, we were seeing a tremendous growth on the YouTube side. We're getting tons of watch time and views. But now that YouTube has significantly limited our ability to reach an audience um, and has been now for many, many months. So I would we, we we're trying to find new ways to to reach the digital audience. So if you can go to Rumble, make sure you subscribe, like, share, Rumble, all of that stuff, that would be super helpful to us. And if you're looking for the links for the show, we've been using Facebook for that purpose. Although it seems to me that Facebook is probably not going to be the, the ultimate future either because I've been personally seeing a lot of uh, censorship on Facebook, and I'm sure it's just going to get worse from here. Because that's been part of a problem. And I want to jump on this while Adrian is our producer is working on getting Mr. Julio on to take this opportunity to say, you know, this is part of the rhetoric that Bree was talking about that needs to really cool down. The, this whole white supremacy, uh, you know, sort of, uh, insurrection type of language and de and reprogramming. There is a call for reprogramming and a major media outlet asking for a 9-11-like commission to reprogram half of America because they, they've been lied to or they've bought into this great lie. I mean, even Katie Couric has been, has been saying all of this. And there's an article out on, um, on LifeSite News uh, that's uh, sort of responding to the Washington Post. It says, Black Hispanic support for Trump is due to multiracial whiteness. I, I want to dive into this article a little bit while we're waiting on Mr. Julio uh, Laredo to jump on the call. Um, because I find it very concerning that we're moving into uh, a greater darkness here. Um, and it, it's not, it's like we're using these, this, these terms, these languages, we're throwing them around and it, it can become very dangerous. It's in, it, talk about inciting violence. I think this could lead to great violence in our country, and it would be a dark day for all of us, not something anybody wants. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray for unity, charity to our neighbor. Um, and let me just read a little bit of this article to you. In an op-ed for the Washington Post, associate professor in social and cultural analysis at New York University, uh, Christina Beltran writes that Hispanic and black Trump voters support the politics of aggression, exclusion, and domination in a phenomenon she calls multi multicultural whiteness. Beltran, who describes herself as Latinx, which is touted as the gender neutral term for being a Latin American uh, origin, opens her mind, uh, opens rather, opens her opinion piece by claiming that Trump voters are anti-immigration and anti-civil rights. According to the author, this has made it easy to classify the president's loyalist as homogenous mob of white nationalists. You know, I'll never forget 
when uh, President Barack Obama was inaugurated, the first African-American president in American history. And what a great day it was for so many. And praise God, look how far we had come in the, in the issue of racism, that the highest office in the land would be inhabited by a person of color. And yet there was a lot of sadness on many uh, people's hearts because this one person uh, who had obtained this office, Mr. Uh, Barack Obama, was also, he embraced uh, grave moral evils like abortion, for instance. And of course, we saw during his presidency, he turned on traditional marriage and other issues. Uh, the, uh, regime chain cha- the regime change wars increased. They didn't decrease. They increased. Uh, drone strikes increased. We saw lots of issues uh, under the presidency that gave us great concern. And when you, whenever, just like uh, with President Trump, for instance, I-, I said yesterday, I've said many times, I never liked the fact that he didn't support traditional marriage. I never liked the fact that he owned hotel chains that uh, made lots of money over pornography being sold in every single one of those hotel rooms. I had issues. I had I had issues. When we call out the issues, and then that gets leveled down to racism, not on the merits of the issues, but just as a vitriolic way to manipulate conversation and debate, boy, those are troubling times. Those are really troubling times. So when we see now, it doesn't even matter. Like, you don't even have to be of Caucasian uh, ethnicity to still be considered a white supremacist. Um, boy, that, that should scare some people in the rhetoric that's being tossed about in uh, major media outlets and accepted widely. I mean, just, we just went through a, 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 a week where whatever Trump said, it was considered to be inciting our insurrection. No matter what he said, he said peacefully protest. But that doesn't matter, right? It was still considered to be, uh, you know, inciting an insurrection. And still, we give a pass to this other language that's being thrown all, all over the place. And, uh, and I think it's time for us as, as Catholics and Christians to pray, but to, uh, to charitably and peacefully make sure our voice is heard in the public square, because that opportunity may be passing very quickly. And joining us now by Zoom chat all the way from Rome is, uh, or all the way from Italy, rather, is Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP. Good morning, or yeah, to you it's afternoon, to me it's good morning. Good morning and welcome back to the program, Mr. Laredo. Well, thank you very much. Uh, please excuse me for this small delay. I got a bit mixed mixed up with the times. Well, we have just a couple of minutes before we have to go to a hard break here. So real quick, before that happens, uh, I wanted to get your take on uh, how does how does Europe look? How is Europe looking at America right now? All of the stuff <clears throat> going on in the headline news. I'd really love to get your opinion of that. You got about two minutes before the break, but we'll continue on after. <laughs> Well, first, first of all, it, Italian magazines and news, uh, newspapers have given a lot of space to American politics, a lot of space, and uh, especially to attack uh, President Trump or ex-president, former President Trump, and to, of course, uh, praise the new uh, administration, Biden-Harris. And okay, hold that thought. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Laredo. I, I have to go to this hard break, but... Hold your thought. We'll pick it up on the other side of the break, and I'll let you continue on from there. We're talking to Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP, how Europe is looking at all of this and what it means for the next four years. Plus, don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back.
This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we have a natural and grace-filled desire to lay down our lives for our children, to provide for their emotional and physical needs as best we can. Moms, particularly, can tend to burn ourselves out for the children, right, ladies? Lunching on leftover mac and cheese, getting up five times a night, cleaning endlessly. How should parents live an ordered life? The first thing we need to remember is that there is no sacrament of parenthood. You receive the grace to be a parent through the sacrament of matrimony, through your marriage. This is how you will bring grace into your family, through celebrating your marriage. Putting your marriage first is the way to be a great parent. Dads, sometimes you need to step in and remind your wife that she's first and foremost your beloved bride. It was God's order that you were first married, and from your love came the children. Remember, your marriage is the foundation of your family. For encouragement and tools to strengthen your marriage and family life, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Speed of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you this morning. We're having a conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo from uh, Tradition Family and Property out of Italy. We're talking about how Europe is looking at America. And I want to apologize to you, Mr. Laredo. We had to cut you off. We had a hard break there. And getting you on late, we're really sorry about that. But uh, if you could continue on, how is Europe looking at all of what's going on in America now? And how will that affect the coming four plus years? Well, we, we, we've got to understand one, one thing, that uh, the media are using, are using this as a means of propaganda. That is, they're using the electoral defeat of Donald Trump as a means of discouraging conservative, discouraging uh, conservative Catholics, uh, especially. So the media have given l- a lot of space to American politics and mostly one-sided uh, analysis in the sense that it's uh, beat Trump, beat Trump, beat Trump, and that's it. You can't imagine the number of pages that have been published published here. They are using the events, for example, the pseudo assault on Capitol Hill on January uh, 26th, as ammunition against conservatives. So here in Europe right now, there's a huge, I would say, psychopropaganda, psychopolitical propaganda in order to um, to put conservatives on the on the defensive in order to cause them to be troubled, to be afraid, and to be afraid even of speaking. Because if you speak now as a conservative, you are bound to be linked somehow to all what happened in Washington and all the, all the Trump uh, uh, administration. So they found the perfect target and they are depicting the perfect tar- target and including in that target everything that that is even uh, even distantly conservative. So I would say that there's a huge uh, operation of psycho propaganda going on here here in here in Europe. 
Uh, we're talking to Mr. Julio Laredo from uh, TFP uh, in in Italy, Tradition, Family, and Property. We'll link to them, by the way, so you can find that on facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Uh, Mr. Laredo, how is this going to affect the next four years? I know today's supposed to be a big day for President Biden. He is already has plans to bring us back into certain treaty agreements. He has plans to sort of... Uh, Improve the relations with China, apparently. He has plans to bring us back into the Paris uh, Accord. So, And there's a lot of things he's going to be doing today, uh, reversing the Mexico City policy for American taxpayer dollars to fund abortions uh, internationally. So there's a lot of things that, as Catholics, we are going to be bugged by. Not all Catholics. Some Catholics, I'm sure, will embrace it all. But uh, a lot of Catholics are going to really be bothered by this. But how does how is what's about to happen going to affect Europe or vice versa? I mean, are we going to see what's in Europe headed our way, or, or how does that relationship work, Mr. Julio Laredo? Well, well, the first the first thing is that the next four years will be very difficult years, but very beautiful years in the sense that we will have lots of good battles to do in the next four four years. Amen. The battle of prayer, the battle of penance and sacrifice, and also the public battles for the issues that we that we love. And we love not because we love them. We love them because they are God's words and, and, and it's the church's teachings. So the next four years will be very important for uh, American conservatives, American Catholics, and for uh, Catholics and conservatives uh, uh, world, uh, worldwide. Five, year, five days ago, the major newspaper here in Italy, Corriere de la Sera, published in the first page, 10 days to erase Trump. Wow. That's the perception people are having. Biden is going simply to erase uh, the Trump uh, 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 administration. Now, that's easier uh, said than done because there is no longer the, the huge Democrat majority in the House. Well, the Senate is so-and-so. But anyway... Um, one thing is that what they, they are saying they will do. Another thing is what they will actually manage to do without suscitating um, reaction. And this is the most important point. They cannot go too far because the reaction would be uh, too great. And it depends on us, Catholics. It, it depends on us, people who defend the church's teaching, natural law, uh, Etc. To stand up to to the uh, to the uh, threat, knowing full well that at least at least half of America will be with us. I mean, this is uh, the, uh, the situation. You 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 cannot uh, embark in a huge government uh, project if you don't have a large majority. Now, the fact is that uh, Joe Biden has half of the United States plus one. He doesn't have 70%. He doesn't have 65%. He has 50 plus one. I'm, of course, I'm given approximate num numbers, which means that at least half of the country will not accept what he will be doing. It's our duty in the next years to make that half become much, much, much more than half. In that sense, I think that the next four years will be very beautiful in this sense. There will be very, very harsh battles to wage, 
And we have to be confident in our Lord. We have to be confident in our lady that we will win those battles. Now, President Trump, he was a great defender not only of the dignity of human life, uh, anti-abortion, but also religious freedom. So do you see America becoming more like Europe in terms of religious freedom in the future? Yes, because there is a growing tendency, not only in the United States, but in several other countries world, worldwide, to implement um, totalitarian laws that practically shut the mouth of any uh, uh, dissent. In Italy, they just uh, approved the, the San Scalfarotto bill, which practically impeach you from teaching the church's uh, truth about homosexuality. Mm. It's against homophobia and transphobia. Now, this type of laws are, are, are being increasingly uh, implemented throughout the, uh, the world, so much that it's a fact that we're going into a new stage of the political or the uh, public pro- process, a stage that resents very much of uh, totalitarianism. See what happened with President Trump with, uh, with his Twitter, Facebook uh, account, etc. Um, there's a there's a uh, digital TV here in Italy that because they they published an article, they commented an article pub- published in the Lancet, which is a, you know it's a very authoritative um, magazine of medicine. They were taken off air for a for a full week. Just because they were they were saying things that were not politically correct, so I think religious freedom will be curtailed because the freedom of opinion is being curtailed. Now this is a symptom of weakness, and this is a very important point that 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 I would like to stress. When the bad people get totalitarian, when the bad people want to impose their own uh, ideas, it's because they're not convincing the public anymore. Because they would love that everybody goes with them accordingly, uh, peacefully, willingly, joyfully. The fact that that they are curtailing liberty and they are impeding people from saying what they think is because they are afraid. We're talking with Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP. We're linking to it over on Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, Tradition, Family, and Property. Uh, about what's about to happen and the impacts in the future. Uh, we have about uh, three and a half minutes left in our conversation with you, Mr. Laredo. Let's talk about the, the Catholic perspective again, following up on what you were saying a minute ago, that we need courage. We need to have uh, this opportunity to speak boldly and courageously and eyes fixed on Christ. Um, I think it's going to get harder based on what you were just saying about uh, religious liberty. What would you encourage Catholics to do specifically over the course of the next days, weeks, months, and even years if things, in fact, do get worse uh, for religious liberty, for the freedom of speech? Uh, How can we as Catholics begin to allow our voice to be heard? Well, the key word, I think, is witness, which in traditional language will be called militancy. I don't have time to explain, but if you analyze public opinion, it's it's like a pyramid and a very well interwoven pyramid. When there's one person that thinks, that says uh, something, it means that below him or her, there are 50 people who think like him, but don't have the courage to say 
So what we need is Catholics saying, yes, this is like this. No, this is not uh, like that. And there will be people who will be following us. Mm. And I, I, th- I think that is the most important thing, to keep this standard up, fully knowing that it's not an isolated standard. There are so many people who think like us, but they don't have the courage to, um, to openly say it. So we have to have that courage. Of course, always in a legal, peaceful way. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. obvious. We're, we're Catholic. We're not, we're, <laughs> we're not rebels. We're not revolutionaries. <laughs> the, yeah, the Holy League is gone now. <laughs> we're, we're, we have no more options that way. Uh, one minute left in our conversation with uh, Mr. Holy Laredo. Um, uh, real quick, how does Rome, how does the Vatican perceive all of this? Well, um, um, what's the Vatican? If you if you if you uh, if you mean uh, the Pope, of course, the Pope has been very clear about his political positions. The Pope has been very clear about his ideological positions, mm-hmm. and they go counter to what everything oh. Trump Trump represents. And that's a fact. I'm not saying sure. I'm not re- revealing anything. I'm not. Um, I got you. Uh, but we are out of time. So, Mr. Julio Laredo, thank you for your time. We wish you had we had you on sooner. We're sorry about that. But we'll have you back, and uh, we'll uh, continue our conversation another time. Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP. TFP is Tradition Family Property. We link to them. God bless you, and God love you, and have a great day. Uh, that is going to do it for the show today on the first hour. If you're, you're at all able to join us on the live feed for the next hour. We would love to have you. I know the Stations of the Cross is signing off. Uh, so God bless you and have a great day. In the next hour, we'll have our game show. Prizes are involved. It's always fun. More uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, more news and stories. All of that still to come in the next hour. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith, and there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes you a Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal and fallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. 
A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible. So do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Can you tell me the three little pig story? Three little pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn at the end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McClain. Confessions at 5. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and it's so good to be on with you today. Praise God. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be a lot of people who are going to love it. It's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to love it. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's God's day nonetheless. Let's give God some praise today. Keep our eyes fixed on Him. Remain in a state of grace. Live good and virtuous lives. And trust in God for all things. Pray, hope, and don't worry, as St. Padre Pio used to say. Praise God for that. We have a great uh, hour lined up for you this hour. We're going to have uh, breaking news and stories. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. Of course, we're going to have the game show, which has uh, become a fan favorite. And we're very excited about that. Uh, so a new opportunity to win some prizes. And we'll give out the phone number. You, you can have your... If you didn't get on yesterday, boy, be on standby because the first caller gets to be the contestant. And we'd love to see the phone lines light up. It's very exciting. Plus, Holy Mass will broadcast at 7.30, but we will stay on our live video uh, stream over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Plus, we're on YouTube. Plus, we're on Twitter. I've been posting in all kinds of new places. Gloria TV, Gab.com. I've been posting on LinkedIn, the forgotten social media site, apparently. Uh, but... Uh, at any rate, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning. You know, I've, I've been using uh, LinkedIn more now that you pointed well, out. I'm sorry. There's no censorship. I somehow remember somebody <laughs> yesterday teasing, I don't know, what? So, LinkedIn about that on air? Social LinkedIn site? is the last safe place, it turns out. <laughs> it has gone so quiet, like nobody's mentioned a word. And uh, I've been able to post there, so praise God for that. I'm yeah, very let, excited. Let's go start some trouble on LinkedIn. <laughs> on LinkedIn. 
At any rate, uh, so, and I know you're posting on Instagram still. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And Adrian, good morning to you. Good you're, morning. You're posting on Rumble. I am posting on Rumble. And also during the after show, whatever mm-hmm. we decide to call it, which I think is going to be the after show, uh, <laughs> at this rate. And, uh, Puck and the, ride. the, um, I will be fielding comments from Facebook, YouTube. Uh, so if you all hop over there, then uh, d- whenever we get to the after show, I will read your questions on air. So if you want to uh, participate in the show during the after show is when we wrap up everything. We'll do it live on social stream. We will not be on the radio because the Holy Mass will be broadcasting. Uh, so you can comment on Facebook. You can comment on Twitter. You can comment on YouTube. And uh, we'll try to read those comments in the after show. So stick around for that. But let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions, I am certainly going to include those. I'm praying for peace in our country today. Peace and unity in our country, uh, and uh, certainly God's will to be done, conversion of all sinners everywhere, and for the kingdom of God to be made manifest on planet Earth. That's one of my big prayers today, plus my family, this team, and our equipment. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear, and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. President Donald Trump granted 143 pardons and commutations yesterday. The list of those pardoned included Steve Bannon, Lil Wayne, and many nonviolent drug offenders who had been sentenced to prison. Earlier this year, Steve Bannon had pleaded not guilty to fraud charges relating to fundraising for a private border wall project. The president did not pardon Julian Assange or Edward Snowden, two whistleblowers who illegally shared America's intelligence and national security threats. The decision to pardon is not reviewable by other branches of government, and the president does not have to provide a reason for issuing a pardon. The state of Vermont can no longer exclude Catholic school students from a college tuition program. A federal court of appeals has sided with a Catholic high school student who challenged a state of Vermont policy that excludes students at private religious secondary schools from a no-cost college credit program. The Vermont Education Agency's dual enrollment program allows high school students to take college courses with tuition paid by the state. Students from public schools are eligible, as are students from secular private schools and homeschooled students. The court ordered the Vermont Secretary of Education to allow the Catholic school student to participate in the program. It granted a preliminary injunction pending the final resolution of the case. A Connecticut-assisted suicide bill would not safeguard patients against coercion. Disability advocates are criticizing a Connecticut-assisted suicide bill for promoting the idea that the terminally ill are a burden on their caregivers. Disability groups are frequently vocal opponents of assisted suicide legislation, which they argue targets vulnerable populations including the disabled, the ill, the elderly, and the poor. Assisted suicide is now legal in nine U.S. states, and bills have been proposed in Vermont starting in 2013, though none have yet been passed into law. Opponents of this bill say they fear that people with disabilities would be disproportionately encouraged to seek suicide instead of being provided with appropriate psychological and emotional support. President Donald Trump has issued an 18-month amnesty for thousands of Venezuelans in the U.S., 
In an executive order on his final night in the White House, Trump issued a deferred enforced departure for at least 94,000 Venezuelan nationals, allowing them to remain in the U.S. free from deportation for an 18-month 18-month period that is almost certain to be renewed by the incoming Biden administration. The order gives work permits to those thousands of Venezuelan nationals at a time when the nation faces a mass unemployment crisis due to the coronavirus pandemic. Trump signed the order after lobbying efforts last year by Senator Marco Rubio, who thanked the president for this executive action. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Sebastian, pray for us. We're talking third century here. He was born in the Narbonne Gaul area, or what you might call modern-day France. A son of a very wealthy Roman family, educated in Milan. He was an officer in the Imperial Roman Army, a captain of the guard of the Emperor Diocletian himself, a very favorited one uh, for that matter. And it was during the Diocletian persecution of Christians that Sebastian, a secret Christian himself, used his, his ability as a as an imperial guard to move about in various locations and in and out of facilities to be able to, you know, help Christians. In fact, it was many occasions he went to prison and he would uh, console those Christians that were locked up there. He would bring them food and provisions and he would pray with them. Well, one time a fellow soldier's wife was uh, falling ill and near death and And Sebastian prayed over her, making the sign of the cross. She was miraculously healed, but this brought undue attention to him, and he was arrested. Now, they did try to get him to recant his Christianity, which he refused to do, by the way. They tied him to a tree, and they shot him full of arrows and left him for dead. He, of course, uh, did not die. He was dying, but uh, he was recovered by St. Irene, and by a sheer miracle and the grace of God, he was miraculously healed himself to the point where he got up and he went to see Diocletian him personally, to preach to Diocletian, to try to convert him. Diocletian had him beaten to death as a response. Well, uh, there is a prayer in the Gregorian Sacramentary. It goes like this. O God, who did bestow on blessed Sebastian, your martyr, such wonderful strength of valor in his sufferings for you, grant us, after his example, to condemn, for love of you, all earthly prosperity, and to dread no sort of adversity. Amen. Rather, Sebastian died in 288 AD, and uh, he has become the intercessor of diseases like the plague, for instance. Uh, So in a pandemic age, maybe we can turn to the intercession of St. Sebastian to pray on our behalf, especially to vanquish the darkness with the light of Christ. St. Sebastian, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent. Looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately to took and took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we see this uh, this battle between Jesus and the Pharisees. Not much dialogue going on here, by the way. Just take note of that. Uh, Jesus isn't dialoguing with the Pharisees to, to weigh and understand their opinions. No, it's more of correcting them with anger and frustration in his heart, even. You can you see that in this passage. He looks upon them with anger and uh, for the hardness of their heart because they are so tuned in to the letter of the law on the Sabbath verse versus the needs of man, right? Yesterday, we saw Jesus referencing King David himself, who had to put aside the letter of the law in order to care for his own needs for hunger. And he he took the showbread from the tabernacle, from the high priest himself, to feed him and his companions who were on a war party. And today, he Jesus is referencing someone else from the Old Testament, right? And you, it might be a little cryptic, you might not have caught the reference, but Jesus is giving us a, a reference to Mac. Maccabees chapter 2 verse 41 first Maccabees 2:41 where they had to suspend the requirements of the Sabbath in order to conduct a defensive warfare to destroy life. And so Jesus is referring to this. I find that fascinating because in many Bibles, they don't even consider the books of Maccabees to be inspired in a part of the canon. And yet Jesus is, is referencing it in his dialogue with the Pharisees here. Fascinating to me. So Jesus is showing that there are needs, there are times, there are occasions when you should suspend the letter, letter of the law in order to care for the needs of man, especially on the Sabbath. And here is a man who has faith to come to Jesus for healing, a man who needs a healing, and we have an opportunity to heal. We should heal, and uh, the Pharisees are having trouble with that. The last point I want to make is look at how uh, after the healing occurs, the Pharisees go out to uh, consult with the Herodians in order to put Jesus to death. What's fascinating there is the Pharisees and the Herodians have nothing in common politically. They're polar opposites politically, and yet they get together, they find unity, they find some way to cross the aisle, just so that they can both collaborate on putting Jesus to death. I find that utterly fascinating. Emily, Adrian? Yeah, so this this uh, passage was fascinating because it's one of the only times that we see Jesus Christ angry in Scripture. And what was he angry at? He was angry at the willful blindness of the Pharisees. So they knew better. They could have interpreted this correctly, but they're being sort of willfully blind. Um, so we have to be careful not to be willfully blind in our own lives because this is why self-knowledge and understanding are so important because there could be glaring, glaringly obvious um, weaknesses and vices that we have that we're ignoring. And that makes Jesus angry, as we see. Adrian, do you have anything to add real quick? Uh, so right real quick, the uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that uh, our Lord says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? Like he's making these are two separate questions. He's saying, is it lawful to do good? Also, is it lawful to do evil on the <laughs> Sabbath? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, well, obviously, it's not lawful to do evil. Yet, if I uh, and Augustine makes a commentary here that if you fail to give hungry food to the hungry, if you fail to save someone whose life was in danger, according to Augustine, you have killed them. Um, and so it is better to have saved this person's life on the Sabbath than to have not saved their life. And this is why, uh, which Alapide goes on and saying, this is why he's angry. So he goes and he, and he becomes angry at them saying, look, you, you desire that the evil be done on the Sabbath. You desire that I not heal this person, which because it is so easy for me to do so and I will, and I will to do so. Therefore, you're desiring that I do evil because it'd be evil for me not to do what I can do. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Man. 
is not made for the Sabbath. It is Sabbath that is made for man. Let us come and rest in God, but let us not lose sight of the needs of our neighbor. And I think in these these difficult days that we are in, have been in, and will continue to be in, uh, charity. Let's pray for an increase in charity in our hearts, zeal for souls. Let's pray for that too. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and we'll have Fear and Trembling, our, uh, our fun game show where we learn a little bit about the faith. We have a little chuckle in the process and we give out prizes. If you have wanted to be a contestant on this uh, game show, well, now is your opportunity. Phone lines are wide open. First call gets to be the contestant. So if you call right now, you get to be that contestant at 8 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Almost dropped the question on the floor, by the way. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with fear and trembling, uh, and uh, hopefully you get to be that contestant. Here's the number one more time, 877-757-9424. Call right now. You'll get to be in on the game show. By the way, Holy Mass starts at 7.30. The Catholic Drive Time team will stay on the live video social side, Facebook, Twitter, and on uh, on YouTube. Search for us there, at GRN Online, for the after show, and we'll take your comments. But Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome back to uh, Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you have the opportunity to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And I, I have yet to have anybody take me up on this offer. But if you can tell me without Googling it where I stole that from, uh, posting a comment on uh, on our Facebook feed there, facebook.com forward slash GRN online or Catholic Drive Time, either, or even on YouTube or Twitter, I will put you into the coffee cup of divine providence for one try, gratis, right? So uh, yeah, all you got to do is tell me where I stole that from, and uh, I'll put you into the cup. But all right, so here's how the game works. I have three questions. And I have three opportunities. So every question that gets uh, is a right answer gets into the coffee cup of divine providence to win the prize. And uh, this is the deal. I don't even ask the caller. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. The two of them have conspired against you to manipulate you, to fool you into thinking that they have the right answer. But only one of them does. The, the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who is right, who is wrong. And uh, again... Tell Every- them what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor is His Glory Company. So His Glory Company makes a Catholic-themed apparel. I love their products. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. Their website is hisglory.storenvy.com. And this week they're giving away a Sacred Heart t-shirt that you can wear and evangelize without saying a word. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Let's go to the phone. Uh, Valentin, uh, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. Good morning, sir. How's it going? Praise God. I'm alive. How are you? Uh, we are doing well. I'm driving uh, I'm driving my boys to school right now, so... Well, well good morning, boys. Good morning. Praise God. We're glad you're on the show today. Where are you calling from? Uh, San Antonio, Texas, sir. Wonderful. That's my... I grew up down there. Uh, where, where do you go to church? Uh, St. Matthew's Catholic School. I know it well. Our Catholic Church. Yeah, right here. All right. Well, praise God, Valentin. Are you familiar with the rules of the game? Uh, yes, sir. We've been we we've been listening. Good. So. Pra- praise God. Hopefully, we'll learn a few, a few things today. Got some tricky questions, so just my fair warning to you is: I'm not sure you can just trust Emily over Adrian every time. Sometimes they try to fool you, so be prepared and keep your ears peeled. Are you ready to go, Valentin? Yes, sir. Emily, we start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Here we go. How long did the longest election of a pope last? Oh, um, I mean, it can't. you can't be without a pope for too long, right? I don't know. You tell me. How long did the longest election of a pope last? I know there, uh, John XXIII's election was a little funky. I'm going to go with maybe like... I don't know, a year? You're on the hook for one year. Yeah. Are you sure? I can't see it being longer than that. Okay, okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, how long did the longest election of a pope last? That is a incredibly difficult question. Come on. Uh, So I'm going to say it was, let's say, I'm just going to spitball a Trinitarian number. I'm going to go with three years. Oh, Okay, so uh, Adrian is on the hook for three years. Emily is on the hook for one year. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentin, what say you? Emily. Survey says? Emily. Oh, oh no! Valentin. 
Valentine. I'm so sorry, Valentine. That was a hard question. Okay, it, it was pretty t- Three tricky. Years. But now, this comes in uh, 1271, the election that ended with uh, Gregory X. It got so drawn out three years into the process that the local authorities finally gave up and locked all of the electors in a room and said, okay, you got to work this out. And that gave us the birth of the conclave. Just really? Huh. All right, so you get two more chances, and I think they get easier from here, Valentin. So uh, hopefully, prayerfully, we'll get you into the coffee cup of divine providence here on this next one here. Let's try it. Adrian, we'll start with you. Adrian, what is the name given to people in the early church who were learning to be Christians, but not yet baptized? Learning to be Christians, but not yet baptized. Oh, that's interesting question. Um... I'm going to say a uh, RCIA member. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're on the hook for an RCIA member. Uh, okay. <laughs> Emily, Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing near you. Oh, okay. Uh, Emily, okay. let's try you. Uh, what is the name given to people in the early church who were learning to be Christians but not yet baptized? Uh, I don't think they had RCA back in the early church. I'm going to go with catechumen, which I think comes from a Greek word. Wow. Very, sounds very specific that, there. She's just throwing out Greek words. Greek words. Uh, to no. Try, she's she's okay. obfuscating. Emily is yeah. on the hook for catechumens. Uh, Adrian is on the hook for RCIA member. We're talking the early church here. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentin, what say you? Emily. Survey says... There we go. There we go. We need to have like a sounder that says "duh." Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't know. Adrian, Maybe. RCIA, come now. But congratulations, Valentin. You're in the coffee cup of Ooh. divine providence for one try so far. Now, Emily, one more time. Who is our sponsor this week? His Glory Company. What's their website? HisGlory.StoreNVY.com. Or you can find them on Instagram. All right. Praise be to God. All right. So another history question is coming up, oh, Valentin. These are hard. Are they hard? Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll see here. Uh, we go back to Emily this time. Here we go. What Emily, what agreement was signed between the Italian government and the state of the Vatican City in 1929? 29? That would be... Okay, I remember this from history. It's the Lateran Agreement. Lateran. All right. Praise God. Lateran Hill. It's where the cathedral is for the Pope. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Lateran Agreement. Let's see what Adrian has to say here. Uh, Adrian, what agreement was signed between the Italian government and the state of Vatican City in 1929? You know, I just want to say, I'm shocked that she learned this in history class. Like, what history class was she taking? Like, what? I want to go to wherever you went to school. I like uh, the fact that she said, oh, in 29? As if like, that's different than 27 or 32. It, right, right. It's very important difference. Uh, I have no clue. I'm going to say um, the the Rome agreement, you know, because it's the Rome dealing agreement. with Rome. <laughs> Ah, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, Adrian it's, is on the possible. hook. Adrian is on the hook for the Rome Agreement. Emily is on the hook for the Lateran Agreement. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valentin, what Emily. say you? 
didn't was even take a second. He's in twice. Congratulations, Valentin. Valentin, congratulations. Two chances in the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win the uh, prize pack this week. We will pull out the winner on Friday. We'll have mm-hmm. to. We're going to have to end soon. And pull it out on the radio, but uh, that'll happen on Friday. We'll Who figure is that? Out. Who's excited back there? Uh, my oldest son, uh, Valentin, also. Oh, <laughs> hey. That's awesome. <laughs> well, congratulations, and prayer, prayerfully, if it's God's will, you will be pulled out of the coffee cup on Friday. We're so grateful to you, Valentin, for being a part of our program. Thank you for listening from, from San Antonio, Texas, on your way to St. Matthew's Catholic School today. We're so grateful. Thank you, guys. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll put you on hold so we can get your phone number and information in case you are the winner. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for Fear and Trembling today on the game show. That's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today. We have covered a lot of material today. So we, in the first hour, we had a great conversation with Bree Dale in the What's Concerning Us section. And are we going to pull, do we, Adrian, do we pull that uh, separate clip and post that up on rumble rumble uh, or the, the what's concerning us section yeah. no i haven't been doing that do you want me to do that oh uh, yeah i think so i think it's a those are good opportunities to conversate but All right, I, we might do that but check us out on rumble so there's lots of ways to to connect with us real quick the holy mass is going to begin airing at 7 30 the catholic drive time team is going to stay on the social side of our streams for the next 20 minutes beyond that for what we're Deal, calling the uh, the after show. We haven't For now. we haven't come up with an official name. I'm leaning towards Park and Ride. Or I'm thinking Chaser in honor of Patty. Patty, really our top fan in the first hour. She really wants uh, Chaser. But either way, dear listener, if you want to be a part of that conversation, we'd like to know your feedback and opinion on the stories that we discuss and and whatnot. If you'd like to do that, I invite you to join us on one of those social streams for the after show. If you're able to and so inclined, you can find us online at facebook.com forward slash a Catholic drive time. You can find us over on YouTube. Just look for at GRN online. You can find us on Twitter as well. Look for Catholic drive time there. And I'll be fielding questions from Facebook and YouTube, the comment section on Facebook and YouTube. So if you got a, you got a comment or a question, leave it there. We'll address that in the after show. Uh, and again, uh, one more time, I thought I, I always forget to mention this part, but Anyone in the Guadalupe Radio Network Nation can possibly win a Mercedes. It could be you driving at a brand new Mercedes in March. All you need to do is go to grnonline.com for the details. Pick up some raffle tickets. It's a wonderful way to support our media postulate. Uh, If you really want to be helpful, instead of just buying them online, call your local general manager of your local GRN radio station and get your tickets through him. He could really use it. He's he's trying to sell some tickets to support the local station. It would really help him out, and we would all be very grateful to you. So grnonline.com for the details and contact information of your local station. God bless you. God love you. Tune in tomorrow. We've got another great show lined up for you. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little more casual. We talk about uh, whatever, the, however the conversation goes. It just goes organically. Uh, there's no production elements. It's less. It's a lot less formal, and it's uh, all on social media. So if you're hanging out with us on social media right now, especially on Facebook, uh, we'd love. Good morning, Chris. Uh, Chris Velasquez over there on. Uh, on Facebook, praise God. Thank you for hanging out with us. So if you, wherever you're at, if you could let us know. Uh, Jesus, good morning to you. Praise God. It's always good to see you, my friend. Uh, tell us where you're from. Give us, uh, give us a howdy and a hey or a thumbs up or something. Let us know you're there. We'd love to see you. Now we have several, we, we post to several pages and there's a lot of reasons for it, but I got to tell you, it gets very confusing. One of the easy ways to find us is just on, uh, just searching for at GRN online. But because we are live across, uh, on the first hour, across multiple Catholic radio networks, we, we stick to Catholic Drive Time for, you know, Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time for the first hour. But we want to discuss or conversate organically about the whatever, anything in the program, really, that comes up. But it's going to be a big day. And I know there's a lot of people who are feeling apprehensive about this day. I, I, Emily, Adrian, I'd love to get well, your take on this. Before we uh, before we dive into... Lori, thank you for joining us. Yeah, before I was about to say that. Before we uh, do go into all that, uh, Chris Velasquez, Jesus Robles, uh, Lori Powell <laughs> have all said good morning. So good morning, y'all. And uh, I, before we get into I, all the depressing news, we just want to say good morning to you all. I said good morning to them already. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was on the phones. I was on the phones. <laughs> you were working it. Uh, uh, and then... Uh, there we go. We said that Chris says, good morning from uh, Rosenberg, Texas. I listen to you guys every morning. Thank you very much. God bless you. Herlinda, good morning to you from uh, Fort Worth. Praise be to God. Thank you for being a part of our program. Um, but back to the depressing news. Back to the depressing <laughs> news. You know, I remember when President Obama was elected. And again, as I said in some of the commentary in the first hour, it had nothing to, you know, nothing to do with the color of his skin. Like, the, I, I didn't even know anybody who was bothered by the man's, the color of the person's skin. But it was rather his support for things like abortion that we were really troubled by. Oh, it, it was a moment, an opportunity to celebrate, uh, because the highest office in the land was, uh, was occupied by a man of color. And we thought that was a great thing. But at the same time, like, his politics were, were troubling. And there was a certain sense of, uh, of uh, foreboding as a result of that among a lot of Catholics. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? I mean, you, you were pretty young when Obama was elected. How are you feeling now as young adults? Well, I, I really started paying attention to politics during the Trump presidency. And so to see him, you know, the, of course, I'm not like a, like a big major Trump fan, but he, he did good things for the pro-life movement. Um, and it's just sad today. It's sort of a, like I'm feeling kind of somber. It's kind of ending on a low note. Like he's not even attending Biden's inauguration. Um, I heard that Mike Pence is not attending his uh, Trump's like that, outgoing. That was meeting. yesterday, I think, wasn't it? Right. Or he didn't attend yesterday. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like the p- past four years were good for religious freedom and for the pro-life movement. Yeah. yeah. I'm sad to see that end. One thing uh, that I, I really like what Jesus Robles said uh, wait, sorry, Jesus Robles. <laughs> I'm reading his comment right now. Jesus Robles says Dominicans rock. He's that's right about that. That's what you're saying. Always. That's what was, hey, that's okay. Change that, the subject. Hey, we, I want to read that. I'll read that every day, all day. Um, no, but um, Mr. Julio said in the first hour, he said that we have such a great opportunity 
uh, during this next presidency uh, to be strong, faithful Catholics, yeah. to raise our standard high. Mm-hmm. Uh, to let, and then one of the other things that he said that I really w- noted was the fact that he said we were at this time, we need to realize we're not alone when we stand up for the faith. Uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up during the What's Concerning Us section in the first hour mm. was the fact that uh, the the Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled traditional Catholics as a hate group, as a hate group uh, for being anti-Semites. And I'm like, how are traditional Catholics anti-Semites? Because we want them to become Catholic? Because we want their salvation? Right. Uh, it's crazy. And so the um, so the, these things concern us. Mm. But at the same time, there's this, uh, there's such a great opportunity to be witnesses to our Lord, which in uh, in Greek is what martyr, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have such an opportunity to be martyrs mm. for the faith at this uh, wonderful time. We have such an opportunity to be holy, to be saints. Yeah, and Amen. That, isn't it, wasn't that St. Sebastian's last and dying wish was to con- see the conversion of Diocletian, the guy who persecuted him personally, right? I mean, think about uh, how, how more Christ-like can you be than to go after the guy tries to kill you. You still go to try to convert him. It's and a powerful testimony. This is testimony. why we're called the church militant. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting times for sure. You know, uh, we have a great opportunity to pray uh, for President Obama, for uh, Kamala Harris. And Biden. For, uh, who did I say? Obama. I did, didn't I? Wow, Freudian slip, I guess. Uh, President <laughs> Joe Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. We have an opportunity to pray for them, to pray for their uh, for their fidelity, you know, to Christ Himself, to fidelity to the words of our Lord. Out of out of a charity for their soul, we have an opportunity to pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we're bothered by their policies. I mean, now we'll see. I, in my opinion, we'll see a greater we'll, we'll see greater religious liberty issues in our in our. Di- Coming four years, well, the little sisters of the poor. Will President Biden keep his promises against the, the little sisters of the poor? He said he would continue to try to force them to have a contraception mandate upon their employees and their hospitals. Will they be able to survive that? Will their hospital have to close down as a result? Uh, they've already gone through so much in uh, in, in the legal uh, system to try to defend their faith, to defend their way of life. A little sisters of the poor, right? Uh, so there's that issue, the abortion issue, the family issue. There's relationships with China that are very concerning. There are uh, many, many concerning issues. And so we have an opportunity as Catholics to pray, to fast, to do penance for them personally and for the nation as a whole. And uh, I would love to see what the audience has to think about that. If you're hanging out with us on Facebook, leave a comment. Tell us what you think. If you have a question, please chime in. You can do so over on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Or you can do so on YouTube as well. You're monitoring YouTube? I am. So far, we have had no comments on YouTube. So, uh, What about on Twitter? Are on we... Twitter? I'm not monitoring Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Okay. And, and probably nothing over on Twitter yet. But if, if mm-hmm. you have something, let us know. We'd uh, love to see it. But one thing you said, Joe, that I really like was the fact that you said that we need to pray for uh, President uh, or soon-to-be President Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, because I, I'm doing my meditations on hell I recently, I was doing them on, I was the Catholic Drive Time you, a Facebook page. You can go and see them there. And there, it, it struck me like hell is, is terrible. It, it's like everything that you think hell is, it's so much worse. It's so much worse. And the worst part about it is the eternity of it. Mm-hmm. Like it, having it last for all eternity, even a small inconvenience. Even it being lasting for an eternity would make it hell, not to mention how terrible the torments are to begin with. Yeah. And so we don't desire the uh, hell for anyone, for anyone, not our worst enemy um, and not the worst person in the world we desire hell for. So we should be praying for them. We desire their conversion. We desire their salvation. And 
the the sad thing is that they are their souls are in such danger and the with the policies they support with the ideas they support uh with the people they persecute these they're they're on the the uh, the wide path right now and we want to get them on the straight and narrow because this is it's a terrifying thing to be in hell so please absolutely we need to pray for them uh we don't hate them we love them mm-hmm. we love them that's why we contradict them we love them that's why we're against what they're saying and what they're doing you know i i i've been a public Catholic speaker for, you know, a bunch of years, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, as I've had the opportunity, as God's given me chances to travel and speak to Catholics all over the country and overseas, um, I have said on many occasions that our goals are too shallow as Catholics. And I've seen this as a husband, as a father, as a, as a homeschool dad, uh, you know, and, and talking and interacting with Catholics all over. Um, there have been many uh, p- conversations I've had where parents will will tell me about their goals, especially as it pertains to their children. You know, we want our kids to grow up. We want them to have a great future, be happy, healthy, uh, successful. You know, we want that. We want a lot for them, and these are wonderful things. These are not bad things. None of these; those are all good things. <clears throat> However, um, I wonder. You know, as parents, I have to check myself all the time. I have to remind myself all the time for my own desires for my kids. Like, I don't want my kids to be stuck in the middle of any American Civil War. I'm just not interested in that. I, I don't want my kids to have to suffer in any way, shape, or form in that regard. And yet, uh, if that's God's will that that should happen, it, you know, permissive will to allow us to enjoy the consequences of our own life choices in society, well, my kids have an opportunity to be martyrs, or an opportunity to witness to the faith, even though it would it would be painful to watch them suffer some, like Our Lady at the foot of the cross, for instance. But the point I'm trying to make is, do we will our kids to go to heaven and become saints? Saint, you know, in your ch- insert your child's name here. Like, do you pray for that? Do you will for that? Do you prepare your kids to become saints? Or is it only that we want them to grow up, go to college, get a great job, live in a wonderful house, drive a nice car, have good clothes and fancy friends? Like, is that the extent of our goals in life? Is that all we really want for them? Um, because if they don't make heaven, what would be the point to anything else? And it's a tough thing as a parent. I know I personally struggle on that, that line. I waffle back and forth between wanting my kids to have an easy-go-lucky kind of life and at the same time realizing that that's not the p- purpose of their life. It's to become saints in heaven. And, uh, and I know you guys are both uh, single. You, neither one of you have children yet. Um, have you put any thought in any, any of this? You know, Sorry, I have mic off. You know, the first time I ever heard, uh, <laughs> I actually uh, heard you talk about this at a parish retreat, Joe. Um, it was, I think it was at St. Teresa's in Sugarland, Texas. Mm. And there was, uh, someone posted that your, um, your talk online. I listened to it. I'm so and sorry. It, it, it was great. It was I wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and one of the things that you said, you were like, you were emphasizing this point about, Families, do you, do you desire that your kids go to heaven above all else, above everything else? And so many of the people there were like, well, I never even thought about that. I, I've never heard this. I, no one ever brought that up to me before. Yeah. And, and you're right. We've all, most of us have very secular goals. I want a good job. I want a comfortable mm-hmm. life. I want to make money. And that's, and like you said, that's a very small thinking. It's a very small world that you're looking at because the eternity of heaven, the glory of heaven, it's going to be so magnificent. 
eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, uh, nor mouth proclaimed what our Lord has for those who love him. Yeah. And so we have to, we're looking forward to this. We're looking forward to something so magnificent and great, we can't even imagine it. And that should be our number one desire. And every decision we make in our lives, every single decision should be geared towards that end. Uh, do we desire heaven? Is that our greatest desire? I, I don't know if right. it is for and, me. And our culture repeats this mantra of do what makes you happy. Like the point mm. of life is being happy, which is in a shallow sense, you know, they're on the right track. Um, but really as Catholics, we don't do what makes us happy. We do what makes us holy because holiness will eventually lead to eternal happiness. Um, and for a lot of people, their sights are set on this world and they're not thinking in eternity. So it's important that in the Catholic churches alone, even among other Christian churches, in truly appreciating suffering and the value that we get and the grace that we get from pain and unhappiness. So no, don't do what makes you happy. Do what makes you holy. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a hard choice, isn't it? Um, it's a hard choice because we, you, you realize that True charity is more than just the physical um, and material well-being of another person. It it really is their eternal well-being. And what is love? That, that's a conversation that I've had on several occasions uh, with people. What is love? To love someone is to will the absolute good of the other, but love itself is not just a thing, an abstract concept. It is a person. It is mm-hmm. God himself. First John chapter 4, verse 8. God is love, and love died on a cross to save our souls, to bring us into the beatific vision. That is the ultimate prize and goal of God himself. His ultimate will is to allow us to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is love. That love is sacrificial. Love dies on a cross. Mm-hmm. That when, and you know, it's funny when I remember <laughs> when I asked my wife to marry me uh, way back in the day, 1998. Um, and I had uh, I had. Uh, Purchased a ring through blood, sweat, and tears, very literally, blood, sweat, and tears, saving up every penny to buy her this beautiful ring at a custom jewelry shop. And I, I proposed to her on a rock cliff overlooking Manchester, with New lobster. Hanchester, with lobster on a wooden dining room, oak dining room table that I carried up there, blindfolded her, and, and, and dragged her up to this top of this mountain called Rock Remen, and at sunset took the veil off of her eyes and got on my knee as the sky was purple and orange and violet and beautiful and and asked her to marry me, and she looked at the lobster and said, ooh, lobster. <laughs> and uh, as, we're, as we're eating, because my wife is Portuguese, right? And if you know anything about Portuguese and shellfish. I really hope she's not watching while you're saying this. They tear into some shellfish, and it's very disturbing. I, as a Texas boy, let me just tell you, I like my lobster already deshelled in garlic butter. All right? That's how we roll. I'm not like Louisiana where I just take the crawfish and start sucking heads. That's not how I roll. So I was a little disturbed. And then in the midst of all of this action of of the, sh- of the lobster, okay, my, uh, my wife says, you know, you're going to have to become Catholic. And I was like, oh, I didn't consider that. I hadn't thought that through. And well, at any rate, when I became Catholic, I went through RCIA, left the Freemasons, left, pro- left my, my, uh, uh, my, my sort of Protestant life behind me, entered the Catholic Church, and then we were preparing for marriage in September of 2000s when we were married. And the, the priest lets us pick the passages, the, you know, the readings from the Holy Mass. And of course, what do we pick? 1 Corinthians 13. How many, mar- how many couples pick 1 Corinthians 13 to get married? 
All of them. All of them, <laughs> right? What, you know, love is this and love is that. And mm-hmm. it sounds so wonderful. But if when you reanalyze that passage, St. Paul's not talking about married couples. He's talking about uh, God himself. And he's talking about the, the true nature of love. And it, it, it's unrelenting. It is unrelenting. It is not giving over to someone's whims and, fe- and good feelings. And this is how they identify. And th- n- no, <laughs> it's unrelenting. Love died on a cross to save souls. Mm-hmm. That's love. You, you know, I thought uh, this goes right back to the scripture passage we we're meditating on today. A lopy day, and I'm just going to read what he says here. Uh, I know reading is not great for for uh, radio, but we're not on the radio anymore. So, uh, <laughs> That's the, right. uh, so all bets are off. A day, he said, uh, "Quote: It is meant, therefore, that the anger of Jesus did not proceed from the desire of vengeance, but was mingled with pity, and that mm. Jesus was angry with sin." But sorrow for sinners, insomuch as he loved them and strove to save them. Lastly, all such anger is mingled with sorrow, for he that is angry grieves for the evil at which he is angry. So I thought that was very interesting because this wraps up everything we were talking about today mm-hmm. uh, in regards to love and to anger about whether or not Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, like, well, yes, we should be angry, but why are we angry? Why are we angry? We're yeah. angry with the sin and sorrow for sinners. Right. Because we strive to save them. Those are the things that we need. Uh, so I thought that was very uh, relevant to what we have been talking about. Yeah, yeah. For, for love of them. Yeah, and you can have no interior peace if you don't know who you are and what your purpose in life is. And of course, what you love defines your identity, who you are. And so we know, all of us here know, that we are children of God, we are Catholics, and from there we get our identity, our purpose, and our interior peace. So if you see that there is no peace in this world, it's because this world has forgotten who they are and where they come from. And so that's our job, especially for the next four years, is to remind this world who they are and what their purpose is. Emily's mom on Facebook <laughs> says, good morning from Chicago. Oh, hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to Jesus Christ. I, was, I looked down just now and said, hi, mom. I'm like, what? What, 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 what just happened? I'm confused. Hi, mom. How you doing from Chicago? Uh, well, praise God. You know, it's a very interesting day. It's going to be, I guess I'm not looking forward to, you know, the immediate implementation of some of these policies that we find very uh, troubling as Catholics, the Mexico City policy being among them. You know, he's going to, uh, you know, free up, uh, federal tax dollars to go to support abortions, uh, overseas and internationally. As Catholics, that should bug us, you know, quite a bit. You know, and I, I get that there's a, a huge portion of Catholics who are like, well, all, all issues are equal, right? Abortion is just one among, I was listening to some uh, commentary from Father James Martin the other day, and he was, you know, making this Why point that, that uh, he, he would say, and he said, actually, he said, you know, abortion is the preeminent life issue. He did. Say that you know that the USCC did not say preeminent. He did no. no I saw that actually interview. He did. he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did use the word. Huh, I thought he I heard said, the same one. He said. Yeah. He said the uh, the abortion issue is the preeminent life issue, but it's just one issue among many. And he mentioned the death penalty and other issues. Now, but the, okay, what does that mean though? Okay, look, uh, that's the problem. It's like, what does it mean to you to say it's one uh, one issue among many, but yet you do, but you don't call these people out on that. 
right? I mean, I, okay, so you're very passionate about, let's just say, um, climate change, or you're, you're passionate about uh, uh, some other issue. Well, we have to call these people out on it. And I would love to see uh, Father James Martin and uh, many of the prelates in the church that feel the same way, that all issues are equal, supposedly. I would like to see them call President Biden out on that and ask him to have a conversion of heart on those issues. That's, I think, would be a, a great thing to see. And hopefully we'll see some of that. And truly charitable. And, yeah, and to be charitable about it, but Ultimately, uh, these are these are gravely immoral things that we must call out out of a sense of charity. At any rate, that's going to do it for today's program. Praise be to God. We're going to sign off for today. Tomorrow morning, Catholic Drive Time comes back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. We'd love to see you there, but help us spread the word. Get onto our social platforms. Help us overcome our censorship and algorithm woes by liking, subscribing, and sharing. Liking and sharing are the biggest ones. All right? God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow, Catholic Drive Time. Join us. We'd love to see you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.